I V M. Hello everyone and welcome to Triangle of Friends. I'm Munish. I have Nishant here with me as we come back here in the off season to discuss all the rumor mills, players moving around, all our wishful trades. What decision should the player make? We kind of make them make it for them. All that and more on today's episode. In today's episode, we'll actually look at one of our strong contenders. But I've again gone kind of missing in our discussions, even though they made the NBA Finals. Yes, we're going to talk about Miami Heat, Jamie Butler, Goran Dragic is still there. Uh, will he opt in? Will he go out? And a bunch of young rookies in that squad. Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero. Look forward to that discussion and more today. Hey Nishant, we're back talking about the Miami Heat. I mean, it was not just a few weeks back that they were they were the second best team in the league. They lost to the Lakers, and once we started discussing the next season again, we started talking about the Warriors, the Nets, the Lakers. Obviously, Milwaukee Bucks come back into that discussion yet again. But somehow, uh, Miami Heat always seem to go missing, and kind of because they don't really have big name players. Uh, or do you think last year's performance was a flash in the pan and they made the most of the bubble, the teams were finding it new to it. It was a new environment for everyone, so kind of took advantage of that and they kind of prospered without the crowd pressure and all that because a bunch of young guys in their team. Yeah, I, uh, a bit of both. I, I think it's, it's really hypothetical to say that uh, they prospered without the fans because it's not like we've seen them crumble with the fans and then we've seen them do well without it. This is really the first glimpse of this team that we're getting and first of many, I'm sure. It's a very young team. It's a talented team. It's logical to assume that maybe with, like, like imagine a game four coming into LA. That's not going to mm-hmm. be a fun crowd for them. So mm-hmm. it's logical to assume just based on historical evidence and, and human tendency that the crowd might have gotten to them, but you never know because it's we, we don't have a benchmark. There's not been a, a reference point. Most of these guys are rookies or young players. And this particular assembly of of, of players didn't, didn't really give us a glimpse before. I think they, they still made the most of the bubble. Sure, I think they were mentally tougher than uh, most of their opponents. I think, I think ultimately it was just down to they were outskilled by the Lakers and the Lakers are just too strong for them. With Bam and Dragic fit, would they have made a meal of the series? Yeah, but I think they would have given the Lakers a run for their money. But I, I don't think that would have changed the outcome. What would have changed the outcome is if they had a competent center, like a proper five, a big. Mm-hmm. If they had a stretch five, nothing like it, but at least a big that can that can be a, a formidable presence in the paint. That would have made things very interesting. Uh, but but this is just the first. I, I don't think it's a flash in the pan, and I don't think it's. It's overachievement, but it's not something that can't be replicated. I think this is the first glimpse of many that we're going to get of this uh, of this team. But you can't, you still can't deny the fact that it was to an extent fortuitous. They didn't have to go through crowds. Not saying they would have suffered if they did, but they didn't have to go through it. So we'll never know. Um, they didn't have to face hostile away crowds. They didn't. They also were in a scenario where a lot of talented teams start taking hits from intangibles, start having mental health weigh in on their on their performances and being away from family and all, all of that. Uh, and and the more resilient team wins, which which may not necessarily be a factor in in the regular scheme of things. So there was some element of fortune there. There was also, I think, there's this overwhelming sense that the east the east was always perceived to be weak anywhere, and this is true for the last 15, 20 years. Or more. The East was always perceived to be weak. It's weaker still now. LeBron's not in the East. Kawhi moved out of the East. 
um kairi and kd didn't play this season largely i mean kairi kd didn't play at all and kairi didn't play much so the east was anyway weak is now weaker still because the two biggest superstars kind of moved out and the question was who really is the contender like even without miami this season who do we have the raptors the celtics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, bucks kind the of bucks. claimed out yeah. right yeah. so I, I i don't think anyone took the bucks that seriously honestly people were giving the 76ers a better chance before all of the injuries so it was largely really raptors without kawai the celtics that everyone looks at as a, as an exciting young team but still a young team not not quite there maybe a piece or two away or maybe a little more evolution in their young stars away from mm-hmm. from being the real deal the new kyrie and kd were out so it it's a combination of a bunch of factors why maybe miami had the season they had and that's also why they won't be taken seriously until they can prove themselves against a, a loaded stacked eastern conference like mm-hmm. a strong milwaukee a more mature boston celtics toronto are kind of now on the fringes of the equation until they push their way back in they're also a team that doesn't get much credit because of the same reasons but who's everyone going to be talking about next season right they're going to talk about doc rivers daryl mori and the 76ers and what he's going to build there and if they get hardened then forget it right they they're yeah. going to be listed as outright favorites for to to win it all and then you talk about milwaukee cuz yanis is always a hot talking point and then of course you have brooklyn cuz kd and kyrie are both going to play next season so i can't really fault people for not taking miami all that seriously i think miami will have to yet again come in as as underdogs and prove mm-hmm. themselves in the east okay and the reason i asked you that is because in the regular season they didn't really top the table or set the table on fire right they finished fifth seeded they finished even lower than indiana it's only when they went to orlando in the bubble that they kind of showed that they belong there and they kind of not just showed that they belong there they blazed through teams they blazed through the uh, indiana pacers they had a clean sweep over the indiana pacers they they blitz bucks they blitz celtics uh, and these are not tough uh, these are not easy teams to beat so miami kind of showed that they kind of belong there they had an entire uh, i mean they they even changed the starting lineup entirely kendrick nun who was in contention for being the rookie of the season hardly got any minutes in the in the playoffs until the finals and tyler hero emerged out of nowhere and he was he was lighting it up in the playoffs so they kind of used i would say not even say used but they kind of figured out what they need to do in the post season and then got it done uh jimmy butler elevated himself of course you have to give him credit and even in the finals in a losing cause he was their man that was shining out right so they have a very interesting uh, team over there but how do they go from here now goran dragic is on a uh, is out of contract so his situation needs to be assessed adebayo's situation needs to be assessed uh, especially because uh, even if you're not adding anyone to the roster this season they need, need to keep an eye out for the next season right where they have an opportunity to probably even sign someone like the someone like yanis in that team and that would entirely change the matchup entirely change the equation and would make miami uh, certain powerhouses in the east yeah they it's a nice problem to have if you are pat riley if you are spolstra and the miami heat it's a nice problem to have i know they have a lot of decisions they need to make but it's a good place to be in you've just mm-hmm. been runaway leaders in the east at least in the playoffs and then you've been the uh, league runners up it's a good place to be it's a good problem to have the bubble angle by the way just a quick thought there before we discuss the squad there are some teams it's not something you see often but there are teams that find their feet later on in the season they take a while mm-hmm. to get adjusted usually you see this with squads that have recently been put together like a 
big amalgamation of talent what recently put together with the Miami Heat's case i think it is a combination again of a bunch of stuff but but one of the factors that weighed in was uh, the team is great when it comes to individual matchups and when it comes to squaring up against a team and taking the same team on game after game in a seven game series i think they are better mm-hmm. at that than like a round robin league format mm-hmm. uh, where you have to change up your style every week every second day you're playing a different team completely different approach different lineup etc etc then your rotations come into play i think this team was built more for the knockouts mm-hmm. where they face one team and it's that team again and if you lose then you get go go, go back and try again mm-hmm. i think this team kind of excels in that that sort of a system especially with the kind of coaching that they that they possess so uh, there's a bit of that angle that played in also because when you look at the west it's the most predictable thing ever right some series might go to seven games some might not but the four teams in the semifinals were the top four seeds it was as simple as that but but if you go one round back the mavs were the what the sixth or the seventh seed and they they gave mm-hmm. a lot of trouble to the clippers that didn't look mm-hmm. convincing at all when the clippers knocked out the mavs i i can legitimately say if porzingis didn't get ejected with that rubbish call uh, early on in the series and if he didn't get injured i am not sure the clippers actually come out of that series mm-hmm. but over the course of a regular season would i pick the mavs or the clippers for for last season as they stood last season i'd pick the clippers every single time even with their load management some teams are just built better for matchups didn't we say all season long regardless of where miami finishes or at least i was pretty confident that they're a nightmare matchup for the bucks yeah. because they have a yanis topper formula they're a nightmare matchup for the bucks regular season bucks are going to finish higher than miami every single time with that squad in a seven game playoff series where everyone's going to focus their attention only on yanis cuz they know stop yanis and you stop the bucks that's tough at the tough matchup so i think that kind of plays into them now a lot of their squad decisions would also have to be influenced by this because their whole approach to the game is discipline rigor fluid ball movement and off the ball movement kind of style of attack and being a nightmare matchup for teams on defense so how do you preserve that and how do you improve that because i think the one big shot coming in there in the finals was size they just mm-hmm. couldn't square up against the lakers they couldn't match the lakers size so is there a big man out there that they think they can get in do they want a stretch big that can shoot the three do they want a rim protector and they, they feel like the rest of their team shoots threes pretty well i think they'd want a stretch big because they already have bam who i don't think they're going to give up if they're going to give him up it's it's going to have to be a blockbuster trade so mm-hmm. they'll at least keep him around for that now if bam is around and he doesn't particularly shoot the three well does he know so if bam is there do they really want a second player and 40% of their team doesn't shoot threes i don't think that's the kind of style of play they're going for with the roster that they have so then they want to stretch big you look around the league who do you have maybe hasan white sides available he has a player option and i know he's coming up in our in our episode but he doesn't shoot the three either and they just let him go a season ago so would they want him back maybe not So then who's a stretch big that's available that they can make a play for without having to give up too many assets. I think Miles Turner is someone they can go for. Mm-hmm. Uh, an amazing defender, just the kind of guy they need and he shoots the three. He's not bad. Because otherwise they're left with they'll have to play Olenek a little more, right? Which I I don't think yeah. is I don't think he's a starter caliber player. I think he's good for them off the bench, but I don't think he he starts for them. So they they should probably look to get a stretch big now. and play the season out go through their development don't don't switch it up just because you went to the finals don't don't change too many things and kind of hinder the development of a Kendrick Nunn of a Duncan Robinson of a Tyler Hero and bam um, go through another season i think the squad will do great 
and then they're really well set up for next season when all of these marquee players hit free agency and player options are exercised then you really know what you need you you know specifically what you need to go in the chip the season after that so this is just the start of the Miami Heat project for me and and exciting times ahead of course and uh, if they need to get in players in if they need to get in someone like milestone and they need to make trades right and they have a bunch of assets and bunch of assets that you really do not want to trade away like you do not want to part ways with Ty- someone like Tyler Hero you do not want to part ways with someone like Duncan Robinson or Kendrick Nunn uh, talk about Kelly Olynyk his uh, contract is up as well and they have to make a decision with him as well so are they going to stick with the same squad and try that and hope that they can repeat last year's success or depart with some of these this players like someone like Jake Crowder he was there in the starting five uh, during the playoffs so he's up for uh, his contract is up as well and they have to make a decision on him as well so Kelly Olynyk is there uh, there's Goran Dragic's decision there is uh, Jake Crowder's decision so a lot of pieces to fit into the puzzle for Miami i would say in this off season yeah and and they don't have too many draft picks either to trade they have they've already traded away a bunch of draft picks when they got in Dragic and and a couple of other trades that they made they don't have too many draft picks left either so it's going to be tough for them. i think they'll rely heavily on free agency because otherwise they'll have to give up assets to to bring in someone they'll have to give up assets somebody like a miles turner you you'll have to give up assets so it's the trade route is going to be tough i i think unfortunately this season they they're going to have to rely on on free agents because none of their other assets they would want to trade maybe a lesser known player but who do you get for that really none of their starting five or even none who was kind of an on and off starter in the playoffs they, they i don't think they they're looking to trade any one of those guys so this is largely going to be a season of wait it out sign the free agents sign the guys you can get get some veterans in pick up somebody like a carmelo who's a, who again i believe on the on the cards today yeah. but uh there's a bunch of free agents and and veteran minimum contracts that can be picked up um, so th- that unfortunately is their only option now but but hey it's not like they have a they have a bad team as is if they if they can resign their uh, their squad players and bring in a couple of veterans i think they can they can try and run it, run it back see if they can make a deep playoff run but but really it's next season uh, that that i'd i'd look at miami heat i think the east is a little stronger now than it was this season going to be a bit tough for them but they'll be the, the the ideal route that they take now is going to be to develop the young talent as much as possible put them in positions of success see what their ceiling is uh, at least at present and then see what else you need to to plug the holes next season mm-hmm. it, i mean i made it sound like it's all doom and uh... sadness for Miami but of course it's not the bunch of young talent they have in there is amazing like uh, Kendrick Nunn uh, finished in the top three for the rookie of the year Tyler Hero if the rookie of the year nomination went out now he would finish in the top three as well he was amazing in the playoffs and didn't certainly look like his first year in the league and uh, they have someone like Duncan Robinson who was who's insane with his three shooting and the percentage of shots that he takes three versus two is crazy it's like he has 88% of his attempts are 3% uh, three shot three point attempts i can't even <laughs> i can't even tell how crazy that is because who shoots 88% of the time outside the arc right and with those three in the starting lineup i think that's a incredibly young squad and incredibly bright future as well and let's not forget jimmy butler who's the leader of the le- leader of the team and also bam adebayo who's not too old himself yeah it's a, it's a fun squad duncan robinson duncan robinson is the best um catch and shoot three shooter since clay thompson 
I still think he's second to Clay Thompson. There's no way mm-hmm. he would not only in shooting as, as a player overall. It's not even a contest right now. But even in just the three shooting department, catch and shoot, Clay Thompson is still the the gold standard in the league. But Duncan Robinson, he's on his way. He, there's that same skill set that that people saw in Clay early on. What do you think uh, the Heat would do with someone like a Jay Crowder? I mean, he's up, like I said, and he. He proved to be valuable in patches, but then when the playoffs came, when the big games came, when the finals came, he kind of went missing, didn't he? That's a, that's a bit of all of them, really, except the star caliber players. Did did mm-hmm. anyone really? A bunch of them struggled in the, especially in the finals. I think Crowder is valuable. I think him and uh, Iguodala, if they can keep them around for another season, mm-hmm. just for they're great. They fit into the culture very well. Let's just put it that way. The same way uh, a Lou Williams or a Montrezl Harrell is a, is a great fit for that Clippers team and the kind of basketball and the kind of approach that they have to the game and Pat Beverly comes in there. I think Crowder and Iguodala both fit in really well to the culture and they're great players to have for your young players to to learn from and get mentored by. And I I think his three shooting ability is underrated. His defensive abilities are underrated. I think Crowder is a valuable um, off the bench kind of player to keep around. I'd I'd keep him around. He's He's kind of in the same mold as as Marcus or or Markeith Morris for for mm-hmm. the LA teams, um, so I'd I'd keep him around. I'd, and it's not it's not really a very expensive contract. Also, I think he's he's high value. All right. And uh, before we move to our next segment, one final question about the Miami Heat: Where would you actually place them if you had to pick them now uh, amongst the other teams in the East? Like, if you had to consider Brooklyn, if you had to consider the Boston, if you had to consider Toronto and the Bucks in the top five, where would you put them? Yeah, I think regular season they're again going to be a fifth seeded uh, team. Mm-hmm. Uh, this team still yet, isn't yet built for for the regular season. They're going to have uh, they don't adapt very quickly. They're they're good at picking off one team in a playoff format, like I said. But I don't think this team is really built to. It remains to be seen if if there is that level of accelerated development, especially in the likes of Hero and and Bam. And if they mm-hmm. start picking up more of the offensive load, then maybe we'll see a different story. But I, but I have them in in the fifth spot, exactly where they finished last season, because this team's going to get a little better. But the whole conference as a whole is going to get a lot better. If Philadelphia make any moves, yet again we're going to be fooled into considering them a a serious threat. And unfortunately, you can't really not. And if they get James yeah. Harden, like it's over. Now um, with Brooklyn again, and with both these teams, the rider is assuming everyone's fit. Because Brooklyn, that's going to be a, a big if. It's the same with Philadelphia. You never know when uh, Ben Simmons throws a back out or when Embiid does something to his knees. So fitness and and injury concerns notwithstanding, those those are the top two, whichever way you look at it. If they get hardened, and even otherwise, Philadelphia has a top four team. Brooklyn's right up there. They should be red hot favorites, if not to win it all, at least to win the East. Boston, I would still rank above Miami in the regular season, and maybe even in the playoffs if they get another shot. And Toronto, I think, is still is still quite a formidable team. So there are at least four teams that that are better than uh, Miami for me, as is, and mm-hmm. that's without knowing what trades um, Indiana might make. Can they make a push and can they become relevant again? So it's these are interesting times for the East, but I I think there are four teams that are firmly better at least for the regular season than the Miami Heat. Their best case scenario is maybe the fourth seed, um, toppling Toronto. All right, then anything better than last season in terms of regular season would be a achievement for Miami then. Yeah, but I think again for this team it's really the playoffs where it gets started, mm-hmm. and and they shouldn't really be bothered too much by the regular season. It's the East. I mean, if you're not the 
top two seats. It doesn't really matter. So uh, wherever else you finish, you'll kind of get the same level of opponents. Uh, I I would much rather see them get all their experimentation in, kind of focus on getting all of their players developed, and then make a monster run in the playoffs. All right then, uh, that is it for the Miami Heat, and moving on to our uh, next segment of Moosti. And I have two interesting names for you. You kind of gave a hint uh, earlier when you spoke. Uh, both the guys from Portland, Carmelo Anthony. First up, uh, how do you think, or where do you think his future lies uh, in the upcoming season? My default answer for any guard that can shoot is going to be uh, Milwaukee is the one place where they are needed <laughs> the most. Another place where they could be used is the Lakers. I think these are two teams where either they. Like Milwaukee badly needs anyone who can shoot when things get tight in the playoffs, mm-hmm. just big time. They need that experience and that clutch ability. With the Lakers, it's a case of we don't know who their backcourt is. Like we know their the middle of the court is fa- fairly well sorted, right? You know LeBron's coming back, you know AD is coming back. The big guys we don't know. Both Dwight and Javale can move as free agents. Mm-hmm. Backcourt no clue because Rondo has exercised his player option. uh kcp needs a new contract and both of these guys are going to want to get paid after proving themselves in the finals so really except ad and lebron the lakers squad is the shakiest right now and these are the champs so that's that's a good destination maybe lebron can leverage his, his relation with with carmelo you never know but i think milwaukee would be a place where he would mm-hmm. add more value like the lakers can get other guards their dependency is not going to be as high as as say a milwaukee on melo if they get him in the in in the playoffs because they desperately need that veteran veteran ability so i i probably uh, swing more towards towards milwaukee but but really any team that can i would have said actually atlanta hawks because that's another interesting destination mm-hmm. in the east because they have trey young they they've got capella back it's a bit of an interesting uh, squad that they have going on um now is melo a welcome addition yeah absolutely i think they could have they could use his experience and his shooting ability and that that might be a starting role the one that milwaukee yeah. could be a bench role uh, lakers maybe starting maybe heavy rotation with with somebody else but atlanta has a starting role so if melo still has that that appetite and he wants to go into a, a development project like that in atlanta then uh, th- that'd be a good good fit but if he wants to go for the chip at this stage of his career and he has none and i'm sure he has some regrets uh, because he he kind of prioritized a bigger payday over being in a position to win the chip like that's mm-hmm. where lebron and melo parted ways when when he went to new york so if if the chip is on his mind then then an la or a, a like lakers or box or or more in this direction and i'd i'd probably swing towards the box even if the lakers are interested if i were melo i'd probably look at the box because that's where i can add more value and and get more credit because at this point i'm sure hall of fame is on his mind too he would get a lot more credit uh, in milwaukee than he would in la in la it's always going to be the lebron and ad show mm-hmm. so so that's 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 where i'm looking um also for atlanta though i think it's a good destination for melo i think there are younger better options and if they're looking to build a team for the future there are really two destinations where if you are a backcourt player you can go and and these are exciting destinations one of them is minnesota because they have d'angelo russell they have carl uh, anthony towns and they have a very high draft pick so that's one interesting area but it's a place where you're not really going to see much of the ball because True. between d'angelo russell shooting all the time and carl cat uh, being a stretch big you're not going to see too much of the ball so that's a problem the other destination is of course atlanta a hot shot point guard they were a decent big in capella they were a pretty good squad that can that can make a good run 
so a, a good player there in the backcourt would be a, a great addition and and there are disgruntled backcourt players that that might want to make a move now minnesota mm-hmm. has more assets to trade so they are better positioned to bring someone in if they want mm-hmm. but i'd like to see atlanta go for it a bit because there's a zach levin who's pissed off beyond belief in chicago i don't think he wants yeah. to continue there it's a club without ambition right now there's also devin booker who's made no secret of the fact that he's just flat out pissed out with pissed off with the phoenix suns and he might be on the lookout to move and that's that's a phenomenal superstar to acquire an all-star in in devin booker i think it will be a mouthwatering move to see booker go to atlanta that will be one of the more amazing shooting backcourts in the league mm-hmm. yeah uh, and they can just light it up so uh, that's kind of why i'm i'm leaning towards just as a fan won't i love to see melo go to milwaukee and try and make a run for the chip and a devin booker or a zach levine go to to atlanta and and they suddenly become an exciting prospect in the east all right uh, kamal has actually mentioned the fact that he would love, love to end his career in portland itself but uh, would portland want to keep him that's kind of that's kind of uh, not a given right yeah i think with him look if the inclination is to end with portland portland aren't a bad team and mm-hmm. if if they have nokic back and zach collins back and all of this they're actually a very interesting team in the west so if he wants to stay and they can find a fit for him in their plans that's great works out for everyone but i don't think it's a chip winning team so if that's on his mind he should move if not if he wants to stay and portland think great we'll have another veteran for another year works but there is nothing very exciting about him staying in portland if it's for personal reasons that he just wants to chill there and retire then yeah okay but there there's a lot more exciting possibilities if he moves both for portland and for for melo right uh, uh the next guy on my list is uh, also from portland hassan whiteside and uh, he kind of was very valuable in the regular season you could say he averaged 15 points and 13 rebounds and that would be seen as great numbers in a lot of franchises but when the bubble started yusuf nurkic was back in and then hassan whiteside kind of found himself on the sidelines with not much to do right so how do you think uh, his situation is at portland uh, i'm sure he wants to be a starting uh, center and a lot of teams could use him right now yeah uh this is a bit of a it's a tough call for portland also right because nokic offers you more offensively he's always mm-hmm. been been a better prospect offensively there's just many more ways in which he can score than what a white side can do which is white side is largely a big guy a seven footer and a muscular presence in the paint that's that's pretty much all he is it doesn't really have post moves or any kind of mid range ability in, to speak of but he's a better defender he's a better mm-hmm. defender and just pure and simple rim protector he's better nokic isn't bad but i just can't get that lebron dunk out of my head and just <laughs> and, and he's also injury prone right the the problem yeah. with if you're going to go with a one big strategy and that's the guy and he gets injured you're screwed and portland have already seen that with with both nokic and though he's not a, a traditional rim protector zack collins also to a yeah. certain extent so i think they should keep white side i think they have a good thing going there he's a great defensive option to have i think him in the playoffs it's kind of a misleading picture right because they we only saw them play five games first of all in the yeah, playoffs true. and they just played one round and they got bounced out i think nokic coming in has more to do with the fact that you need a more agile defender rather than a traditional rim protector because it's not really the guards driving to the rim that's a problem with the lakers it's what you do about lebron and ad 
and and if they stretch you you're you're screwed and white side isn't isn't a kind of stretch defender nokic is a bit more agile he can defend the perimeter a bit he can guard the mid range and so on and so forth i think that played into it and also the lakers have towers so hasan white side 7 foot frame is not really that big of a problem when you've got dwight howard when you've got mcgee mm-hmm. and ad and all these guys defending so i think they needed a versatile attacker too and nokic is both of that so it was really that that match up that that saw him play a lot more because otherwise i think white sides are better option over the length of a of a season because i think he led the league in blocks right or he was right up there anyway last season yeah. nearly blocks per game that's incredible and then uh, uh 15 plus points per game i think he's a uh, 13 rebounds or 13 and a half was it last season i think he has pretty spectacular numbers uh, they should keep him they really should keep him and then and then fix their uh if zack collins is back if white side is back if they retain melo or find somebody similar to start the three for mm-hmm. them they've already got a pretty dynamite backcourt for me this is a really good team uh, it's only because it's the western conference that they're not even top 4 top 5 contenders right now but this is a this is an exciting team all right that's uh, that's hasan white side then and it'll be interesting to see his scenario because personally i think he would want to move to a team where he would start more often and since the the demand for a big traditional center is a is huge i think he could uh, he could make a good deal there so i don't know i think they he'll, he'll have to look for just the right fit because there there are few teams that really want a traditional big but most teams want to stretch big now mm-hmm. wide side is in that so that that's going to be a bit of a problem because unless he has the perfect fit and that team has something to offer and they want to bring him on board or they can sign him up and free some space uh there's not really a very great move out there ready made there are possible moves but a team should really want him bad if they want to make that move actually miami would have loved to have him in the finals want wouldn't they yeah. Uh, yeah love to bring in a traditional big against the lakers but they went a different way and and you're going to see more and more teams do that with the sole agile three shooting thing there's going to be a huge drop in demand and if somebody like a dwight howard is available on the market then that changes things because especially with with recency wise dwight howard is going to be a little more valuable for chip contenders than than say a white side so so i think the best thing for him would be to stay and i think genuinely for the trail blazers i think the best thing is to retain white side um see if they can bolster some of the other positions and go if if they get all of this done i would actually rate their chances higher than the utah jazz though utah for me have a better team they have they match up better man to man i would i would rate this squad better mm-hmm. over the course of a season actually than the jazz all right an interesting pick then and uh, we'll keep doing this and we'll, when we review the utah jazz we'll see if you stick to your predictions because i think they have a really really good team as well but uh, as always uh, always fun to discuss probabilities and player movements and predictions and all of that and we'll keep doing this but until then see you soon yeah, see you soon sound good about the jazz by the way we should we should talk about them pretty soon i don't yeah. doubt their talent i doubt their fitness and i'm not sure if they're going to bring back all of their players that's the only reason i'm flipping on the jazz but that'll be an interesting like full episode topic Of course, of course. I, uh, I like their equation with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> the Corona Brothers. <laughs> All right. Take All care, right man. Then.